This episode of the Golf.com podcast is brought to you by the USGA. The USGA and RNA received comments from more than 22,000 golfers in 102 countries as they reviewed the rules of golf this year. For more on the changes that are expected for January 2019, visit USGA.org. All right, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another podcast with Knockdown. Thanks for listening. I'm delighted to have as my guest Paul Goidos, who has probably the best nickname in golf, Sunshine, <laughs> for your cheery disposition. That's right. I, I bring a ray of sunshine into the room when I walk in. <laughs> do you uh, do you appreciate the uh, the sardonic nature of the nickname? Well, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. Golfers in general tend to be pretty negative at times. You know, lose. You know, even the greatest players in the world lost 75 percent of their starts. Yeah. Greatest of all time, yeah. Right, and, yeah. and, and, and I lose 99.9, so that tends to be a little hard on you. But, um, yeah, we have fun with it. <laughs> what makes you happier, making a, a six-footer to save par or a 12-footer for birdie? Probably to make a six-footer for par. I remember I, I have a temper in the game a little bit, and somebody <laughs> said something to me, and I remember I, you know, I hate playing bad golf a lot more than I like playing good golf. So generally making the putts for par over time make you a lot happier than the ones for birdies. I mean, it's such a mental struggle day in, day out. How do you get yourself up after all these years to well, keep going it's forward? A big, it's a big part of it. I mean, golf beats you up. Again, you don't win much. It's all, for lack of a better word, moral victories. You know, in a sense, we're trying to win tournaments, and you have a good week, and, you know, take it to players when I finish second. I mean, it, 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 there's a little bit of a moral victory there than it is a real victory. Cause you, but if you don't take your moral victories in this sport, hey, I don't know how you make it. You have to say, hey, this is a good week. You've heard those guys say, you know, they finished eighth. They say, oh, I had a good week. I'm happy with my game is. I'm getting better. Looking forward to next week. Those, for lack of a better word, those are moral victories because we're really trying to win. And if you don't do that, if you you take away, hey, I lost again. Tiger, you know, clipped me by 20 again. You know, (laughs) those are, it's hard. And and you have to be able to, you have to be, but golfers for as, I'm sure you've, you've talked to them, you know, and we have this, this attitude, we get a little negative and they're hard on ourselves or whatnot. But really, if you think about it, they're pretty optimistic. They know, hey, I'm going to hit some balls. I'm, I'm looking forward to next week, even though you've just been beaten up, beaten to death for 30 straight weeks. You know, next week's <laughs> going to be different. <laughs> well, I mean, you ha- if, if, as you say, you've lost 99.9% of your starts, yeah. you've got to be a, an eternal optimist. You have going. to be. I agree. And I think that's what's not really talked about too much with professional yeah. golfers because you see the guy – you know, walk. You know, you always walking off 18 or something bad's happened, and we show that a guy's three putt or he's done something and he looks upset and he's missed a cut or he's done whatever. But yeah, I mean, you, you kind of you always try to grab. Hey, well, you know, I hit this shot in there. This is what I'm going to work on for next week, and you and you kind of grasp that straw, and you hold on till next week, and you try to you know turn it into something good. Do you ever think about playing mini tours or the Long Beach Open just just right. to get some easy wins yeah. and boost your confidence? Well, the problem is it wouldn't be easy wins. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the that's the, the problem. You know, if nothing else, golf has gotten very very deep. Yeah. You know, I look at I've looked. I you know obviously I grew up in Long Beach and I won that tournament 30, yeah. 25 years ago. Um, but you got to shoot twenty under par to win there, and that's you know it's no bargain. Um, <laughs> you know, it, the golf. You know, the Tiger generation has started. Yeah. in our sport and we're seeing it on the regular tour right now with these young kids who are just playing unbelievable golf and there seems to be an un- endless supply of them you know take john rom this year and there's going to be three more john roms in the next few years i would guess who are great players in college who go step right out and they're successful this is the tiger revolution and it's coming and i think golf's going to be you know growing leaps and bounds from a talent standpoint yeah over the next 10 years or so i mean the, the whole notion of of golfers as as athletes um 
I mean, that, when you were growing up, people probably made fun of you for yeah, playing you, golf. Yeah, you were, it, was, it was a little bit of a, yeah, for like nerdy, whatever word you want, some negative connotation, people play, you play golf. Now it's gotten a lot cooler. Yeah. Tiger changed the world in golf, and we yeah. can thank him for a lot of things, and one of the things he did is he made golf a lot cooler. Yeah. And you have, when you have the most famous person, maybe the most famous athlete in the world playing your sport, that really changes things, and he probably was for uh, uh, ten no, years. No ago, question, yeah. The most famous athlete in the world, and that changes things. But and then, but the level, the way the game is played today, uh, it's a much more athletic. It's a it's a hit at three fifty and see what you can do from there kind of sport versus working your way around the golf course. I remember watching the Sony Open this year when Justin Thomas won. I think he shot fifty nine one round. He just hit it at every grain. Yeah. He hit it over the dog legs and hit it, and he took lines that. He were unfathomable 10 years ago. You, know, you wouldn't even think about it. You know, the game's changed a lot in how they play. And the game is more athletic now. Do you, do you like the way the game has changed? Well, it, hasn't best for, it, it, you know, it isn't good for me. Yeah. You know, how I play, I wouldn't yeah. be non-competitive on that, on that tour. Yeah. Having said that, um, you think about our sport and where we, I'm sure we even, you're a writer, I'm sure you even wrote about this. Tigers, when, what, what's golf going to do when there's no Tiger? Yeah. He was striving force of our sport. He was yeah. he was the center of gravity of golf to the point everything drew toward him. Everything was around him. And if he disappears, you know, is golf, what, what are they going to do? You know, how do we survive without Tiger? He was such a big part. And I think tourists, the players have done a great job. They've played really good. This younger crowd it's have energized our game. The, the Ricky you know, the Ricky Fowlers and the John Roms and Thomases and the Jordan Speeds. It's an amazing what's really happened, the transformation of the game. Yeah. To the point where we've forgotten how good Tiger was. Yeah. We keep having these stats. I'll never forget that Jason Day had that great run when he won the PGA. He won seven out of 17 starts. They were just going on and on how impressive that Tiger did that seven different times. I know. We've kind of semi-forgotten how good he was. Well, I mean, you look like, you know, Justin Thomas has this incredible breakthrough year. Yeah. That was a mediocre year for he's, Tiger. Yeah, he's won six, turn he won six tournaments in a major. Well, that was just kind of, yeah, okay, Tiger did that. You kind of went, huh, he must have been hurt half the year. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it, we've forgotten. You, um, you having your Southern California roots, you know, Tiger's very proud of California. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you were you came up through the game differently, but did you have a, a kinship? I, you know, he grew up on the. We actually played the same golf course for yeah. a while. He, there was a Navy golf course. His dad was in the, was an ex military. My dad was ex military, and we had access to the Los Alamitos Navy golf course. Yeah, and so I, I probably, I, but I, but there's also a par three course in Long Beach called Hartwell Park, and that's really where yeah. Tiger yeah. started. I we used to go there at night, and you'd hit, it was only it was a night driving range. You get hit balls at night. You go out with your friends and. And play the par three course. And Tiger was probably four, five, six, seven, and I was, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. I see, you'd see the kid. You heard about the kid. I did, obviously you don't have a. When you're seventeen, you're going to you know, a five year old kid. When you know, it's just some little, you know, twerp. What am I going to do? You know, it turns out. I remember in a there was a junior tournament at Catalina Island, and he, he was making a big deal about this little Tiger Woods hitting off the first tee. And he hit it down there, but he almost hit me in the head with that tee shot. And they never showed where. I want to say they showed it on the. Because he, he drove Some, into you, or you were in a different hole? Well, it's a different hole, number nine and one. If you've ever been to Catalina, you could do it. Everybody hit it. Yeah. You could hit it on the ninth hole off the first tee very easily. It's a very narrow island deal. But I want to say they showed it on the Tonight Show or the Mike Douglas Show, or That's Incredible. Some show that Tiger was on. <laughs> and he hit, they showed him hitting, and he was, like, he was you know, four inches yeah. tall. We almost hit our group, hitting our group That's high awesome. in number nine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously part of your legend is that when you were – 
you were trying to make on the mini tours. You, you worked as a substitute teacher. Did. I mean, I lived in Belmont Shore for a long time, and I, I know um, there's some scrappy parts of Long Beach for sure. <laughs> and so what, what is your best slash worst story from those well, days? Well, <clears throat> you know, we had a, you know, there was a, I, 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 you got to West, the North, I guess you call it Northwest Long Beach, and that's kind of where the gang, yeah. Northwest Long Beach to South LA yeah. is kind of the gang territory. And you get that. There were kids who were, you know, they were tough kids. And I, the one thing I remember about it more than anything, and we have this, this, concept of bad kids or tough kids or whatever and it's really not that it's bad environments we need to sometimes we lose track of it's easy for us guys who play golf for a living it's a bit of a country club sport we got the augustification of our sport here at pebble beach these are tough places If, if you and i would have grown up in northwest long beach they might have said that guy's that guy's a bad kid yeah you know yeah for sure it's environmental more than it is kids you know you think about it um, you know, kids aren't born bad. Just like we're seeing, kids aren't born racist. They're taught. This is all taught, and yeah. and and that was the thing I took from it most. Is I got around kids that I didn't see, and they were all just like me when I was a kid. They got pimples, and they're worried about whether the girl next to them likes them, and they're you know they're they're scared, and they don't know what's going on, and they're just like every other kid. They're just their environment is so different than what we're especially in our sport, are used to seeing that it was a bit of an eye-open. It was a bit of, even I grew up just, a, I had two middle-class blue-collar parents, but I lived in I lived in a decent, nice house, and I went to school with the kids at Wilson High School, which in Belmont Shores was the yes. more affluent school, and I got a little bit spoiled, and that kind of unspoiled me a little bit. You kind of go, wow, these, we always look, ah, those, those kids are tough, and they're mean, they're bad, whatever. Yeah. No, they're just in a bad, that's really what I took, is they're in a bad environment, yeah. and let's not be too judgmental there. Do you find yourself having to explain that to some of your, your colleagues? Everybody. You explain that to everybody. Yeah. I, I, you know, whenever I hear talk about gangs, and I might tell a story, you know, you're a 15-year-old kid. Both of your parents work 60 hours a week. One's, you know, working at a fast food for 40 hours, and there's a janitor 20 hours, and your mom works 60 hours. She's a maid or whatever, some very blue-collar yeah. job just trying to make it so they can stay in a two-bedroom apartment with you and your two brothers, and you guys sleep in one room. And your parents are, this is what you should be doing. Your parents are setting a great example. They're working hard. Yeah. And you're, you're 15, you're standing on the corner, and a kid drives by in a Mercedes-Benz with three girls on his arm and says, hey, will you stand on the corner? And if you see a police car, raise your left hand, and I'll give you 100 bucks. You're going to do that in a second. Every 15 yeah. on the planet's going to do that. Yeah. You're a gang member now. Yeah. That make you a bad kid? No. Your parents are hardworking and everything. It's situational. And, you know, that's kind of what's going on in the world. And, we're, and, we're, and, 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 and until you've been down there, and I haven't, I've barely been there. I mean, yeah. I've just barely seen the fringes of it. Yeah. I'm at school. They're, they're really tough kids who have really bad environment going to school. So right. I'm not even seeing the worst of it. Yeah. You know, I, I think people don't understand how hard it is. Right. And then to use your example, that that kid's down the corner. He gets swept up in some sort of police action. Then, right. then he gets he gets now caught he in the jail. criminal now, justice now system, in the, which is a mess. Can't get a job, especially in the inner city. Now, yeah, yeah. right. So there's yeah. a whole there's a whole lot of problems there that we need to fix. Yeah, and finding a way. And we are we're starting to do commu- those. You know, Long Beach has done a lot of development in in those areas and trying yeah. to commu- you know. But we need to have those. I think, they, I think I think they call them empowerment zones or something like that, where yeah. we go in there and we create businesses and we incentivize people to open business there and hire these kids yeah. and show them that hey, if you work hard, you, you, but it's hard. It's a hard situation where you see two people working hard making thirty thousand dollars a year and a drug dealer making a million dollars a year. It's just that's an easy decision for a fifteen-year-old kid. That's an yeah. e- I, you'd make it. Everybody listening right now would make that decision. Yeah, they may say they wouldn't. Yeah. Hey, you go stay. You go sleep on the one bedroom apartment with your brothers on the mattress, and you tell me. Yeah. 
Well, and it's such a it's such a consumer culture. So yes. everyone wants the shoes. They want the iPhone, right. whatever. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's gotten harder. It's, it's, yeah, in it's a sense, like, it's gotten harder. Yeah. Phone, you know, we all, I, mean, I didn't need, you didn't, I didn't have phones growing up. Now you need yeah. to have a $300 phone in your pocket. Yeah. That, that's, you're, you're dating you're yourself, not, you're, Paul. That's an $800 phone. Well, yeah. what, I have, well, <laughs> whatever. You need to have an expensive iPhone. I've got yeah. an iPhone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, they used to give it to you with your plan. They don't even do that anymore. So, you know, if you're, you're a kid down there, you need to have those accessories and it makes it, it's harder. Yeah. I did a big story for Sports Illustrated on, on Long Beach Poly because we named it like the best sports school in America for high school. There was a stat at one time that Polly had more NFL grads than any other high school in the country. I don't yeah. know if it's still the case. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time down there, and the kids were fantastic. Yes. They were, I taught at Polly a little bit. Substitute yeah. taught at Polly a little bit. I mean, it's exactly like you're saying. They were, they were so fun to be around. Yeah. And, and I was... In I a was tough environment. Very tough. And But, you know, that school is kind of a beacon, and people explain it to me, nobody messes with Polly. It's like it's a, it's a free fire, you know, it's a, it's a no-fly zone, basically. Even, even any right. beef you have doesn't come on campus. Yeah, like, yeah they it, do a good job there. Yeah. Polly's a great school. Poly, yeah. It's Long Beach Polytechnical. It's, been, it's as old as Wilson High School, two of the, old, yeah. the two original Long Beach schools. Yeah. But, again, people have no idea. The, I want to say that when I was a – I didn't play football, but when I was a senior – in high school, there were like seven future NFL players on the high school football team at Poly. Yeah, that's impressive. It just was just unbelievable. Mark Carrier was the safe starting safety, and that same year, the starting point guard for the basketball team was Tony Gwynn. Yeah, back when he was thin. Yeah, he played point guard, and he gets seven hundred when he played baseball. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Poly's a great school. It really is. Yeah. So, do you ever feel guilty when you finish twelfth and you get a big fat check? And- yeah. I don't know if guilty is the right word. We live in an interesting society where we value diff- we value entertainment greater than anything else, whether you're a professional golfer or an actress or an actor or whatever. That seems to be what we want to value in this in this country um, yeah, for whatever. My brother's a doctor, uh, a sur- surgical oncologist, and they make a good living. They don't make the living athletes do. They don't, you know, teachers. I mean, we don't, I mean, I look back again at teaching and, I know that we can't pay teachers $100,000 a year, but they're pretty important in what we do. Maybe if we did, we'd have more success, you know, in, in the teaching profession. You have our certain percentage of teachers that love teaching will do it for free. Yeah. But some people, the vast majority in a capitalistic society want to earn a living and go on vacation and do all the things. Teaching makes it difficult to do that at times. I mean, it shouldn't be a vow of poverty to be a teacher. It, it really shouldn't be. And, and uh, we're going to get into it. We're obviously sounding like two liberal you know, <laughs> socialists standing here. But, you know, it, it, there's a lot of truth to that. Education solves the world's problems. And it shouldn't be difficult. You know, I know Bernie Sanders talked about free education and free college and free all of these things. But there's no such thing. Nothing is free. Somebody pays for it. But I don't know if that's such a bad investment. Let me pause for one quick second for a message from the USGA. Combining golf and life is tricky. I know I have a hard time doing it here in New York City. How do you fit one into the other? Ask the USGA, and they think it's pretty easy. It's called Play 9. Nine-hole golf is time-friendly, unwind-friendly, friend-friendly, It's conducive to just about every aspect of your busy, busy life. Golf after work, golf before you pick up the kids. It's possible when you play nine. You can even post your nine-hole score, and it counts directly towards your handicap. There's a lot to love about this game, and when there's less time to play this game, the USGA says play nine. Learn more about options to play in your area by going to usga.org slash play nine.
Well, I would think even conservatives, Republicans, whatever the label is, agree that education is important. I mean, I don't think that's a controversial. Nobody really wants to know. But again, I think that's but that's the problem is that you can say education is important. I can say that, but you have to pay for it. Unfortunately, things aren't free. Yeah. When you say that, I'm going to make college tuition free. Well, no, you're not. You're just making somebody else pay for it than the person who's taking it, which is fine. I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, the vast majority of people, a lot of people go to Harvard. It's endowed, and education doesn't cost anything at Harvard. If you're under, you're underprivileged. Harvard's free right now. If you can get in and your yeah. parents make less than X, yeah. Harvard's free, yeah. as it should be. Yeah. Those things are possible, but it takes a lot of forethought. Are there any, um, or how many Democrats are there on the senior <laughs> tour? I know there's, I, 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 you don't want to out people, you know. <laughs> um, I wouldn't know that. I, I, the problem, well, you want, to, you, you want to get into a political... Sure. Golf's boring. Let's talk about something interesting. We it, it, the problem is we've labeled people Democrats and/or Republicans. Very few people believe have beliefs down the line. Now politicians will say I'm a Republican. Will say I'm pro-life. You know, pro-death penalty. Whatever. All the pros or cons. Yeah. You know, very few people in the real world have that same straightforward right. look at it. I agree. Uh, most what you know, and then then same with same with liberals. I, th- I I don't have. A, I think you talk to most people I know who are wealthy, who who are well taxed, especially in the state of California. Generally, you don't hear that much complaining about paying fifty percent of their income in taxes. They complain about the money being spent poorly. Yeah, I don't have a problem with you me paying you fifty percent. Start spending it a little bit better. Yeah, I'll be okay. Um, that's another thing. Democrats Democrats don't get that. They think that the tax want to have lower taxes no they want their money spent better they understand you can't, it doesn't work if we're going to tax everybody at 20 percent, that's a great idea we're going to go bankrupt even worse than we are now that's just a, that just doesn't work you have to have a progressive tax system if we're going to do what we're going to do with 300 million people yeah we live in a society that believes that people shouldn't be starving to death and living on the street and yeah. die we just we don't believe it we're, are those we're liberal ba- values i think those are but again i think those are american values it's just yeah. a matter how you want to do it I think Republicans want to do it through private charity, while the Democrats want to do make sure that there's a safety net there in case those don't work and people fall through and the safety net gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't know. I think we all believe it. We all just don't want to. We also we don't, we don't have any on how to pay for it. You know, and again, I don't think Democrats understand that things cost money. And I don't think Republicans understand, you know, don't do a good job of explaining that they're in favor of these things. We just don't know how to pay for it. Yeah, that was a very artful way of not answering my question. Which about was, who, who the Democrats are on tour? Are. Well, I, I don't know that I'm a Democrat, <laughs> but I, I but I, I but I think I have a lot of liberal views. Yeah, I don't think how you could grow. I think I think growing up in California is going to do that to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I I think I, I you know pick an issue. We have to be you know I think I do think that our that we're taxed enough, but I think the money spent poorly. Yeah, I think I think that's more conservative view. Yeah. Having said that, I, I think that uh, let's take the abortion issue. I think everybody. This is where the, you know, I don't understand. Everybody's against abortion. Yeah. Nobody says I want to have an abortion. Yeah. We should be doing whatever we can to make sure another abortion doesn't happen in this country, which means contraceptions, which means sex education, which means spending money. Yeah. We're not willing to do that, so we have abortions. We can, you know, everybody's anti-abortion. Everybody. 
But what are you willing to do to make sure it doesn't happen? I'm willing to spend money on sex education and contraception and blah, blah, blah. Republicans tend to say, just don't have sex. Well, it's not going to happen. That's this right. ridiculous concept. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Look at all those Republican congressmen. They're having lots of sex, right. apparently. Yeah, apparently. So, <laughs> so it's not that, again, this is where the issues get hijacked by political ideas. Right. Uh, and the Democrats have done a terrible job with that. They should be saying, I'm pro. They should never, everyone's anti-abortion. Everybody on the planet right. is. Well, they're pro-choice. They're not pro-abortion. Right. And they did, but, but, but we, sh- but we, sh- but they don't, they, they don't have, they don't. the Republican position, you know. The Democrat position, it comes across poorly because they don't defend it correctly. Yeah. So it sounds like your solution to politics is better branding. Yeah, it's a big part of it. Yeah. Sales. Well, the solution to politics is stop gerrymandering. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. We've killed our country. Nobody even knows it. Yeah. We have, we just we have just turned every district into a to the to the ten percent on the fringe owns all the districts. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I was Donald gonna, Trump's our president. I know that doesn't wake you up about how bad our political and the reason he won is because all the Republicans who ran against him had to run so far right they look like crazy people. You really think John McCain is where he was when he ran against? No, and the Democrats are going to get are get the same come up, and it's you know down the road. The Bernie Sanders is of the world, whether you agree with him or not. He, I think Bernie Sanders would, have, by the way, would have beaten Trump if he would have given a right to run. But the Democrats fixed the race, so he couldn't. Right? I mean, everybody knows that. But you, when you have the fringes make the voice, get all the voice, you have craziness. What's going on now? We need more moderates in this, and I think the vast majority of people are in the middle. I was going to nominate you for PJ Tour Commissioner, but yeah, I think no. we're, we're, we're seeking higher office now, Paul. No, no. The commissioner's job is a very difficult job. We have the right guy in there now. We had, Tim <laughs> did a good job, I think. Yeah. And I think Jay's going to be very good, too. So, now you, but do you, again, let's say you, would you run for office if you had the ability? And it's hard. They don't, too many skeletons in my closet. I, again, do you, but I don't know that I do, but I don't want anybody to go find out. Yeah. My mom was a politician. She was the first woman elected to the Monterey County Board of Supervisors. She did. So you must be from up here. I am, yeah. Where are you from? I'm born and raised in Salinas. Oh, okay. I like to say I'm the second best writer to come out of Salinas, but there's a big gap between one and two. Who's, who else? John Steinbeck. That's right. Yeah. So, um, no, I've seen politics up, you know, up close. It, yeah, well, Northern California politics are, are a lot more aggressive than they are in Southern Cal. Yeah. You guys are a lot more active. For sure. It's a very active place politically. We get yes. it. And, 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 and you look what's going on. Um, there's people who are obviously very anti-Donald Trump right now. I and mean, there's people who are, uh, we need more. But Trump's doing one thing right. He's causing people to, to, to pay attention. Maybe this is what the country needs. They need a wake-up call. And actually, my kids are actually talking about, I remember, you know, my kids are 27 and 25. And um, one of my, went out to dinner last week, and they talked about how after before the hurricane, I guess some airline was gouging ticket prices. Yeah, it was United, I was think. It, I don't yeah. know who it was. And I, I and they had actually read the paper, watched the news, and found this out. You know, and they said that doesn't seem right. Well, that's what I, we need more of that in our country. We need young people. We need people to stop voting for parties and start voting for people. And uh, maybe Trump is going to get people to pay attention. We fought, we we have not paid attention now for too long. And this is a country when you don't get pay attention, what do you get? All due respect, you get Donald Trump. I realize I just blew my chance to have this podcast sponsored by United, but, <laughs> but let's move on. Yeah, the, the official airline, the PGA Tour. <laughs> Yikes. So uh, let's talk about Trump because you actually pegged it with him at the Crosby He was. Bank. He was my partner uh, in 1993. So Tell me everything. He made a hole in one. 12th hole spyglass, second day. That's a cute little hole. He was dating Marla Maples at the time. Yeah. 
strong. Uh, I think he ended up having a child with Marla May. He yes. got married and they had a child. I don't know. If they, she Tiffany. Was, that her she, name? Yeah. I don't think she's part of the no, cabinet. No, they, they keep like her, her um, out of the headlines. Um, he was, uh, you know, he, he, he uh, we were on the, after he makes the hole in one, we started on 10, so yeah. 14 to par 5. I, I almost hit it out, hit my second shot out near the out-of-bounds stakes, and the grass is four feet high. And yeah. you can't tell if it's out-of-bounds. You just can't tell. There's six stakes are 50 feet apart, so you call for an official and take a piece of string and string it across the stakes and see if you're... So I'm standing up there, and I call for an official, and Trump comes walking up the hill. And he goes, what's going on? I go, I don't know if it's out-of-bounds or not. i got to call for an official. And he kind of gives it eyeballs and goes, it's in. <laughs> I think he said, I'm the most honest guy you're ever going to meet. It's in. <laughs> it was in. No conflict of interest because no, you're his partner. Yeah, yeah, I was in, but uh, I thought that was a pretty funny line. He was, he was very. Couldn't have been nicer. Um, you could tell that he was more. You know, he's obviously he talks about his wealth a lot, but you could tell he liked being a celebrity. Yeah. As much as he liked being rich, and that's great. I mean, I like being a celebrity at times too. <laughs> um, but he was. He was a very. This is this is twenty four years ago. So he was probably only what. Late, in his late 40s. Late 40s. Yeah. Is he 72 right 71, now? Yeah. yeah, so he was in the late 40s. Good player. He's a, he was a far five handicapper. He basically played good. I didn't. I played terrible. Um, yeah, the other we had Harry Crosby in the group too. Bing's son was in the group. Oh, was the other cool. amateur with Tony Hammond. We had a good time. And I played terrible. I was. I mean, I played so. But I, I went up to. The, I remember I went up to the the tournament direction. Why are you pairing me with Donald Trump? <laughs> you know, when, when you play with Payne Stewart, somebody famous, I think Payne was the guy I, I pointed out, somebody famous, and he said, look, if I pair him with Payne Stewart or Tom Watson, whoever, well, now it's Donald Trump is playing in Payne Stewart's group. But if I pair him with you, it's Donald Trump's group. And I went, yeah, that's pretty smart. <laughs> that's thinking right there. <laughs> and that didn't hurt your feelings? No, I was a rookie. I understood that. 100. That, that I understand. Yeah. This is a business, and sometimes we lose track of that. We want to be altruistic and inside the ropes, but it's a business and it needs to be run like a business. So it's a business and we've been talking about the redistribution of wealth. Yes. So how much correspondence have you had with the commissioner's office for language or running a foul? I've, I've had my share. I've been fined a few times. Yeah. Uh, I always felt justified. Like I said, I hate, I, so I think the quote was, I hate playing bad golf a million times more than I like playing good golf. Yeah. I don't, that, that's probably a character flaw. Yeah. And that's, I'm fine with that. <laughs> probably, you know, I'm probably need therapy for that, but um, so, so I have my moments of, I have, I have, I know all the words. Can you conjugate them all? And I, yeah, I, well, yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Never thought of it that way, but I can use them in the, in the, in the right, at the right time or the wrong time, depending on how you look at it. And that gets you, runs you a foul and it is a business and we don't want that in our brand, but we all do it. And we all have, some of us deal with our anger issues differently and we all have to you know, deal with that. And I tend to. Let's let it go and, the, you know, say the wrong thing and overreact and then, and then it's gone and I feel like an idiot. That's basically how there's, you know, those are the stages of anger is that, you know, for me it's volcano, oops, and then you feel, then, and then, then, check and, then and then remorse. <laughs> and then, then their check comes. Right, and then, and then the letter comes at times. Um, other people simmer and they explode, but I'm explode immediately and then. Usually the, the the number again remorse is the you know, what am I doing? What am I ever going to learn? It's generally what you say that night is. Well, how many times am I going to do this before I realize it's the wrong thing to do? Obviously, it's not a million, so it must be a million and one. <laughs> At least you feel remorse. That that that. Well, I always feel remorse. I don't know if that, but I don't know. If you, if you say you, you say that, but I think that this a sign of of intelligence would be not doing it. Remorse should get you to stop doing it. 
So I'm a little concerned about my IQ at this point. <laughs> Isn't there some story about you, you leaving a nasty voicemail? Yeah, I left a voicemail. At, at I always assumed that was apocryphal. That's true? Yeah, I did. That's my first fine. I, well, my second time I got fined. I, 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 I played bad at, the, at Firestone. And um, I was actually leading which is a miracle at Firestone. And that's the hardest golf course I ever played in my life in the World Series of Golf. And we only played two holes on Friday. So I had to play 36 holes on Saturday at Firestone. I don't think I made a birdie. Yes. And I think I made 12 par, 12 bogeys and 24, whatever. It was terrible. So I went from being in first place to being, you know, in 40th or something. And so I could catch a flight. I can actually get home Sunday night now instead of Monday. So I called to change my flight. Eric, who we have a traveling, he was at, you know, she's spoiled where we have a traveling travel agent, but we had another tournament opposite, and he was at that tournament. So I called travel, you know, it was done. It was six o'clock, five or six o'clock at night, and you change my ticket, and they're closed. And they're open from 10 to 4 on Saturday. And I go, really? You're open from 10 to 4? Well, guess when we play? We play from 10 to 4. You should be open from 4 to 10. <laughs> And with a few, you know, adjectives. This is like a generic voicemail? Yeah, oh yeah, I left it on it, you know, for the, for the travel agents. You dopes, what are you doing? Yeah. What good are you? Yeah. Am I calling you from the third tee? <laughs> I mean, and, and so, I, again, with, with adjectives, you know, emphasis, for emphasis. Yeah. On the, about a, I don't know, a two-minute voicemail, they, they, they were offended. <laughs> How do the other fines work? Who rats you out? Is it a marshal? Um, I actually, I said one time I said something, and I, I, the thing that I remember, the funniest one was the first time I ever got fined, I was playing at Callaway Gardens, an old Buick Southern Open. Yeah. And, you know, as a California guy putting on these pure, you know, common Bermuda greens, it was like putting on the moon. Yeah. Like, gravity doesn't even exist on Bermuda grass. I hate Bermuda. Time. I've gotten where I like it now. I'd rather play on Bermuda. But at that point, I had no idea what I was doing. I three-putted every green. And I was trying to make top 125 my rookie year, or even trying to make top 150. Back then, that was a big deal. And I three-putted a bunch of holes. And I finally three-putted 12 on Friday. And it might have been my sixth or seventh three-putt. And I just kind of walked muttering, well, three-putt. Yeah. And dropped a few F-bombs. And somebody wrote a letter to the tour that I'd done this. But he said, I offended the person standing next to him. I didn't offend him. He was fine with it. But the person standing next to him was, was offended, and therefore he felt, I go, okay. That shouldn't count, unless that person writes the letter. That's yeah, hearsay. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. We don't have a court of law. So I wrote the, you, you can't appeal these things? Uh, you can, but you don't win. Right. It but, gets appealed back to the guy who gave you the original fine? Right. There was a, there's a story about a player throwing a putter in a lake at 18 at Sawgrass, and a rules official was there, and he wrote him up. So he threw his lake. You know, 20 yards into the lake after three putting the 72nd hole in the tournament. And the player appealed it and said, No, I threw it 50 yards into the lake, not 20. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me the player's name. Just give me their initials. I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> it's not my place. Dang. <laughs> you That's can talk. You can go find him afterwards. <laughs> He's a good interview. So is it weird to be known more for a tournament you lost than you won? I think people remember the players more than Bay Hill. Definitely, or... They definitely know me more for the players than my wins, though yeah. I do know me more for shooting 59 than anything else. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I look back and every while, you know, I, I, we, were, we were kind of talking a little bit today in the practice round, and, and the reality is people say, God, you, you know, you kind of gust the wind, and that was unlucky. No, I hit the wrong club. Yeah. Let's just be honest. You have to be honest. I hit the wrong club. I hit the wrong club in regulation, too. It just worked out. That's part of the problem. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, 
that was a it was a weird deal. It's my, until this year in the Champions Tour, it was my only playoff I was ever in. Yeah. Um, that was my 15th or 16th year on tour, and that was the first time I led going into Sunday. Yeah. Which is I don't know if that's I guess that's bad. Um, uh, what really stunned me about that deal, and now when I think about it, was how from the time I had about a 10 or 12 footer to win the tournament. And I had a good putt, just didn't go in, which I was okay with. I didn't yeah. hit some yippy, garbagey. Yeah. I actually had an okay yeah. putt. Oh, yeah, you're up there. I mean, you're literally shaking. Yeah. And I, and, and I don't care who you are. Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, when you have a putt like that to win any tournament, you're nervous. Don't let them tell you any differently. And I had a pretty good putt. And, um, but from the time, it seemed like, from the time I missed, the time I hit it in the water was like three seconds. And I think that if you're Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus or somebody who's a really good player, you can slow that down and you can remember signing your card yeah. and talking to the rules official about we're going to go here and riding in the car. You, you slow life down. And that's what great players do. They slow down situations while everybody else speeds up to – you know, I'm in light speed at that point. Yeah. I think Sergio you know, was probably at normal speed. Tiger Woods was at – Super slow-mo. Super slow-mo. Jack yeah. Nicklaus could always do that probably. And you have to just you just have to get there enough times. The next time I was in a playoff, which even though it was ten years later, I was much I was much better about it. Um, that's the thing that that I, I cannot remember anything from I don't remember signing my card. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. Right, let's let's end with this. Were you happy to see Sergio win the Masters? Yeah. yeah Sergio couldn't have been couldn't have been nicer to me after the playoff though i guess beating me is i was more nice than him but <laughs> he said a lot of nice things about me and he thought we've always been pretty good i get a christmas card from him every year really it's great he's like he's got these great christmas cards so does phil mickelson but um is it like a family with phil he's got phil he's got phil's got pictures he does yeah. great. phil's wife does yeah it's all she's, amy she's genius yeah it's all amy she's as genius on that type of stuff as phil yeah. is with his short game um sergio's always been very nice um uh, yeah i think it's good i i, I don't I wouldn't count him out winning more. He's got I the agree. hang. He's got the hangover now. Yeah, I get that. It's all it's all bonus at this point. Um, but I would. He's only. I don't think he's forty. No, no. He's like he was thirty-seven when the Masters. Okay, so, so he's only thirty-eight. Yeah, it, he could still have Phil's career when it comes to majors. Sure. He's got that kind of talent. Yeah, he's an ta- amazing, talented player. But he is. You know, you heard those things he talked about. Oh, I'm, I just can't win here. I'm just not good enough. I'm yeah. all these things and. That's that's what everybody else is thinking, but he's saying it out loud, so I give him credit for that. <laughs> that probably um, unburned himself in some way. It maybe he did, and but he he he's he's a, he, he he would you could argue the best player in the game at that time who hadn't won a major. Maybe Lee Westwood, those types of guys. Oh, there's yeah, a few. Sure. There's a few guys there. Maybe Stricker's even in that category. Emeritus. Uh, yeah, he's gotten. It's gonna be harder for him now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I am happy for him. All right. The better, the better he plays, the better that law that playoff loss looks. By the way, <laughs> yeah, it's like in college football. You, the team that beats you, you want them to keep going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Well, this is great fun. Thanks for your time, Paul. No problem. All right. Thanks. Okay. Well, with that, we're gonna let Paul Goidos go and uh, work on his chipping and putting. This is Alan Shipnuck. I appreciate all your listeners out there who stuck with us to the very end. We will do this again soon, I promise. For now, uh, signing off from the press room at Pebble Beach. Bye-bye.